word from my brother just before I got up here. He said, uh, Matt, just make sure it's like a 10 out of 10 preach, because if it's not, I'm going to punch you in the nads. Beautiful. It's always so encouraging. <laughs> so I'm really glad Greg got him to introduce me because that's just really tired, made that come full circle. <laughs> anyway. Awesome, guys. Well, yeah, and I was going to say as well, it doesn't really matter what I say because whether I say something good or not, the box still won last night. It's still one last night, so today's already a fantastic day, just to start off. But um, cool, so yeah, guys, it's an absolute privilege to be up here. I'm just going to get straight into it. Um, this morning, I'm going to be continuing with 1 Thessalonians 4, um, where Paul speaks about living a life pleasing to God. And we've had a couple preachers on this. I think my dad spoke about... Um, sexual purity and immorality and everything that Paul has to say there. And then he also spoke, I think he also spoke last week actually on love, on, um, where Paul commends them for their brotherly love. And so what I want to do is speak on the next two verses just after that brotherly love part. And it's where Paul reminds the church about the type of lives that they should lead. But before we get into those verses, there's just one or two things I'd love for us to bear in mind um, when reading this passage. The first thing is that, sorry, you guys hear me okay, that rain is very, very loud. The first thing to bear in mind is that this is not their first time hearing this stuff from Paul. Paul spent weeks with them. He spent time with them, telling them about the gospel, teaching them these things. And, you know, he says things in the verse like, as we instructed you, and just as you are doing, just as you are doing. <laughs> it's actually not loud for you, it's actually loud for me just thinking while I'm kind of up here. But, um, so he says things like, as we instructed you, and as you are doing at the moment. So, these things were important enough for Paul to mentioned to them both in person and to follow up with them. And you'll see in 2 Thessalonians, he brings up a whole lot of this stuff again. So these are things we cannot take lightly. And yeah, Paul tackles some really big topics, which are still so significant today. Um, things like sexuality, which, is, which was totally different to the culture of the day. They were sexually off the charts, these guys. So for him to even bring that up, as my dad said, it was totally counterculture. And, and it, still to this day, just to note, is one of the most prophetic statements that you can make in your life, is to take a stand in your sexuality. He also encourages them on how well they're doing loving one another. And not like just trying to keep the peace kind of love, like, oh, I love you, bro. No, no. Like, more like Jesus in John 13, verse 34. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. That kind of love. And he speaks, he also goes on um, in verse 9 to speak about how they've been taught by God to love. 
How beautiful is that? Being taught by God to love. My dad mentioned it last week. Isn't it? It's profound because it's, it's love that God would teach us to love. It's so beautiful. Something to note is just that everything that he's mentioned up to now. Sorry, guys. Just bear with me. This rain is really loud. Um, but something to note just on what he said up to now is that it's all he's been speaking about things that are very inward focused things that have got to do with our hearts and you know he uses strong emotion intentional language about the condition and the position of our hearts with sexuality and love and then come these next two verses verse 12 verse 11 and 12 and they go like this but we urge you he says from verse 10 just to start from there but we urge you brothers and sisters to do so more and more he's speaking about the love encouraging that he's um, encouraging them that he's just done and then in verse 11 and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody So Paul now starts to speak about their practical daily living. He goes from this place of inward dealing with your heart to this outward working out. And, and guys, it's the marriage of those two things, the inward and the outward, that are so profound here. Because living a life pleasing to God requires both an inward transformation and an outworking of this thing. So this is something that Paul's trying to get at here about the types of lives we're called to lead that pleases our Father. I remember when I first started prepping for this, it was, it was this idea of, of this inward transformation and then this outworking that gripped me so much because it's easy to bring up a divide between your inward and your outward and say that your spiritual walk stops when you walk into the office. So I've been working for about two years now and, you know, just got married, so running a, running a household and paying lights and water and insurance and all these beautiful things. But I remember struggling when I first started working, going, saying, Lord, why is it easy for me to see where my walk is with you on a Sunday and where my walk is with you in my home group and where my walk is with you with my like-minded mates? But when I'm at work, I like, can't see the forest for the trees. Like, where, like, what, like who, what, where? And... So I suppose what gripped me is the ordinariness of this extraordinary life that we call to lead. There's something so simple that we call to here. It's not, there's no like, there's no special trick. If, you, if you're here today and you are in a very similar space in your current work situation, you're like, Lord, who, what, where? There is no special trick 
or thing, that, or place you need to post on Instagram, or amount of money that you need to lead this life that Paul's speaking about. The special thing that you have is Jesus. Live like it. Respect your boss, even though he might be an absolute bum. Take your hands off the steering wheel of your finances. Honor your spouse. Thank God for your children. Love people. So what I want to do is go through some key takeaways from those two verses and really trust that God will do something in your hearts this morning like he did with mine when I first came to this passage. So I want to speak on two things that I've sort of titled. The one is called Living Loud and the other one is called A Powerful Testimony. So if we look at the first part of the scripture in verse 11, it says, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. As we told you. Interesting here, he says, make it your ambition to live quietly. It's like weird, there's almost like a contradiction in the verbs that he's using. There's like ambition, which is the Greek word I'm going to butcher this. Philo timiomai. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> That's like the best time I've done it. Um, which means to be zealous. It's, it's ambition. It means to be zealous. It means to, to strive eagerly. It's, it means to desire very strongly. So he uses that word, and then he uses this other word that takes the place of quietly, which in the Greek is... Hesu Kadzoto. Butchered it. That butchered that one. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, sounds a bit Japanese there. I'm probably pronouncing it so wrong. But now that means to be still and to be tranquil and silent. So there's this, but there's, there's almost not just this, a contradiction in the verbs of this sentence. There's like, there's almost a contradiction in the time at hand, if you think about it. He's just given them these tools to live their lives out and he's just these are people who have just been given the gospel you'll see the next passage afterwards is titled the coming of the lord there's there's like an air and an eagerness to be loud not to live quietly you're like well paul what are you trying to get at you so paul tells us what this quiet life looks like by saying some simple and specific things the first thing is to mind your own business and to make sure you're working. And this was significantly relevant for the people of that day because what had happened, remember I mentioned the coming of the Lord, what had happened, it's also partly because of the incredibly harsh labor conditions that they had to work under, but more significantly, with all the news about Jesus coming back, the people had figured, well, if he's coming back, why do we need to work? So they just left all their responsibilities, left their jobs, and they don't know when he's coming back, just like we don't. So they figured, oh, he must be coming back soon. So we'll just leave our jobs and responsibilities. And they pretty much turned into a bunch of freeloaders. So, and I want to make a note here that the work that he's talking about here doesn't necessarily mean paid work. There are obviously many forms of work, like volunteering, even household stuff like cooking, cleaning, raising children, repairing, if all those types of work that all meet the needs of families and communities. 
um, without receiving re re remuneration. Um, but what Paul's talking about here, so, so the work encompasses all of that. The, the type of people that Paul is talking about here is people who have favorably chosen to live off the work of others. And Paul speaks so much more harshly about this in 2 Thessalonians, where he addresses it again. So again, he repeats himself. All this stuff is so important. But this time, it's titled, A Warning Against Idleness. Let's see what he says. He says this, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Hectic. I'm just going to skim through this. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we didn't have the right for such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Hectic. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food that they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter and do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet... Do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. Yo! That is proper. So what Paul's basically saying here is that when someone is unwilling, and notice he says unwilling, not unable. Unable to work, very different situation to unwilling to work. They very quickly become a pain in the backside. The word in Greek is perier gatsomai. That was pretty good which in this context means to pry and to meddle. It's pretty much the Greek version of the word busybody. I think that's such a clever word to use. So, and these people end up becoming disruptive because everyone else's lives seem so much more interesting than theirs. So they start to meddle and they start to pry. Um, so Paul's saying to them, guys, this is a big deal. Work for the food on your tables. Don't be a burden to people. Follow our example when we were with you. We didn't live like that because we thought it would be nice. We did that with the intention for you to imitate us. Follow our example. So friends, Paul instructs the church of Thessalonica with these characteristics of what it looks like to lead a quiet life. Because of this very simple truth that Paul knew. That the loudest part of their lives... And the loudest part of our lives should be the way that you live it. Don't forget what he's just written to them about. He's just spoken to them about sexuality and loving one another. Totally counterculture. He's just given them like a life recipe to live the loudest lives on their block. Lives that shout Jesus. Lives that are pleasing to God. So one of my questions for us today is... What is the loudest thing in your life? 
What does your life shout? Is it your finances? That's usually quite a loud one. Is it your children? Those are just loud for different reasons. Is it the state of the nation? Is it the work that you've done with your hands? That's, the, that's what your life sounds like. I think in our current context, just off the back of that, the percentage of people that are unwilling to work is probably quite small in our current social context. If anything, I think there might be a greater percentage of us that actually have multiple jobs that we're trying to juggle and, and we need to be reminded more than ever of the type of lives that we should lead in our workplaces, lives like this. And we can, so we can make beautiful things with our hands, eh? we really can. Um, just as, it was just as true in, in biblical times when they would carve beautiful statues made out of bronze and silver and gold. The problem is, sometimes the thing that we've made with our hands can be so beautiful that you end up losing sight of truth. And this thing ends up taking the place of the Father in our lives. It becomes an idol. We end up finding ourselves worshipping what we've made with our hands instead of worshipping God. We end up waiting, for our next, waiting on our next pay slip instead of waiting on God. And don't get me wrong here, budgeting and good financial decisions are incredibly important. Shout out to Romy this afternoon. And I believe those decisions and those things around your finances are definitely a part of what it looks like to live a life that commands the respect of others. The tricky thing is, when we're waiting on our next payslip, instead of waiting on God, our payslip can end up determining the amount of faith you have for something, and not God. Friends, we need to live lives that are full of faith, and then Jesus is what our lives will sound like. So if we go to verse 12, Paul says this, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Paul says to them here that in leading a quiet life, by minding their own affairs and working with their hands, not only is this a life pleasing to God, but they should actually do this in the hopes that they may win the respect of outsiders and be dependent on no one. In the message version, Eugene um, Peterson says this, we want you living in a way that will command the respect of outsiders. So you see, friends, for Paul, our lives were living testimonies to the confused, fallen world that we live in now. To win the respect, our lives should find favor with non-believers. And that favor would be the thing that unlocks something in them. It's really so, 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 so important to this. This is so important to our lives. And I actually want to, this is so important, I actually want to say something on this. Do we know that the people we are trying to reach are people? Like, same species, we can talk to them normally, kind of people. 
I think one of the biggest compliments that I've ever received at work is, oh, I didn't realize you were Christian. You're so normal. <laughs> Friends, this whole thing that Paul is speaking about of finding favor with people needs to filter down into every single part of ourselves in the way that we speak. We need to remember, remember to be normal, not weird. I remember I had this moment at work where I happened to be having a conversation with my HOD next to a very small kind of circle, awesome conversation though that I desperately wanted to be a part of, but I was having quite a deep and meaningful with my HOD. Um, and part of the circle of people was a manager that we have. Um, and you must understand this manager is quite a secure and vocal atheist. So he's like, he's quite okay to have conversations about God, which is, I think, the thing that's going to get him saved. To have conversations about God because he says that as far as he's been convinced, this God thing isn't real. That's his kind of take. And Anyway, this other colleague of mine, who's obviously saved in the circle as well, so I'm kind of just overhearing this behind me as it's going. He, he's, yeah, he's kind of having this deep and meaningful with this manager, and he, I don't think he realizes his kind of stance on it. Anyway, and this guy is like speaking to this manager, atheist manager, who is like, and what he's doing is he's, he's speaking, he's just throwing out all of this Christianese to this guy. He's like jamming the Bible down his throat. He's like, it's just, and I just was like standing there going, oh my word. Like, I love this guy and I'm very far from perfect. But yes, that guy has totally, totally lost favor in that moment with that person. And not that we should be striving for favor. We strive for favor, not favor. But we are called to reach people. And these people are people. Let's be normal about it. He, anyway, he just he sounded like an absolute whack job to this guy. He must have thought, dude, you are a whack job. And he's, and he's, like, and he's an engineer as well, so he's like... This is, this is a tr proof facts. That's his kind of, you're not going to, anywhere else, you're not going to, so you have to approach him from that way. This guy was coming in, like trying to give him a hug. He's just like, defenses up, no. And, yeah, anyway, and so that's, that's just an example of this whole thing about trying to be normal. Be, be normal in your walk with God. Be normal in this, in this life that you're trying to lead. There's, we, must be, we have to be mindful about it when we're speaking to non-believers. We, we have a lot of stuff that we have learned over the years and words and things in the back of our minds. But actually, a lot of those things, this guy just, from his responses, I could tell, he just shot his walls straight up. And he was just like, this conversation has ended. I'm going to try and have a dig back at you. The world we are reaching is people like us. And remember, Paul is imploring us here to live in a way that might win the respect of others. So don't sound like people that they want to run away from. Yes, we are called to share the gospel and never stop doing that. 
But remember, the loudest part of our lives should be the way that we live it. When we live a life like the one that's being described, not only does it please God, but it actually glorifies Him. You might remember something like this from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And so many other places in the Bible, because this is what we were made to do, glorify God with our lives. Matthew 5 verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Peter 2 verse 12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's so important for us, guys. The way you lead your lives can make or break someone's relationship with God. So important. We are made to live lives that glorify our Father. Friends, the way we choose to live has also got a far greater purpose than just walking properly and finding favor before outsiders. A theologian said this in a commentary on 1 Thessalonians. He said, When believers display diligent work attitudes and habits and live in a loving and peaceful manner that respects others' privacy and does not intrude or gossip, it constitutes a powerful testimony to unbelievers and makes the gospel credible. So powerful. The responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus. The way we live our lives brings credit or discredit to the gospel. We're a people who are of the world, but, but should look different in the way that we live. Do you look different? Are you leading your household differently? Do your parties look different? Do your relationships look different? Does your parenting look different? Does your marriage look different? Friends, there is a responsibility over our lives to glorify our Father in heaven with the way that we live. From the way you conduct yourself at work to the way you conduct yourself on campus to the diligence you bring to your studies or in your workplace to the way you date, to the way you honor your spouse and parent your children. In the same way that Paul was imploring the church of Thessalonica to live differently, to please the Father, so you and I are called. Thank you.